another episode of Too Young to Be This Old. I am Ben here again, as always, with Andy. Hello. So, thank you for finding the podcast wherever you found it. Um, but if you want to see all other things Too Young to Be This Old related, you can go to our website at podcast.tooyoungtobethisold.com. Find all the ways to listen to us and all our wonderful social media links. Uh, wherever you're listening, if you have the option to rate, review, or do anything to uh, promote the podcast and help us out, we would appreciate it. Anybody who's rated it, you know, big thank you uh, to anybody who's rated it. If you're listening, share it with your friends. Share the post if you like a specific episode and just, you know, let us know that you're enjoying this podcast. Thanks, Mom, for giving us a review this week. Speaking of this week, how you been doing, Andy? Oh, well, I was going to let you start, but I will go. I'm good. Um, just just been, you know, had a pretty relaxing weekend. We're recording on a weird day, so it's like, I don't even I don't even know. We're recording on a Monday, and we never do that. Um, yeah, so and maybe this way you can get it out before 7 o'clock on Sunday night. Uh, you know, we'll see what happens. <laughs> we'll see what happens. But uh, I'm oh. good. It was, a, it was a relaxing weekend, and it was an easy Monday. So, there you go. There you go. Getting yeah. to work from home this Monday, didn't you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I didn't get to work from home, so I went to work no. today. And did you know the the things you do with your wife? Go grocery stop shopping, and then of course, since you bought groceries, of course you're not going to come home and cook. So who would do that? What responsible no. adult would do that? None. <sighs> but yeah, that's uh, yeah, like you said, this is Monday, so the week really hasn't gotten started. So no. there's really been nothing. My weekend was pretty much the same as yours. I didn't do jack and or shit all weekend. I went, sw- I went swimming. At, I w- to take, let me take that back. I went swimming Saturday. I went over to mom's there and went go, swimming. There you go. Pool. But we did do one thing this weekend. We we did. And uh, we've talked about it on previous podcasts. Before we get into that subject, give me just a moment. Oh, you got to be drinking something new by now. Uh, it's actually just a soda because I am not going to drink a uh, beer before the month before we go on our honeymoon. Good man, what soda are you drinking? Well, I say soda, but it's a ginger beer. (laughs) But it's not got alcohol in it. No, 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 that's fine. Awesome. Basically just a very spicy ginger ale. That's a spicy ginger ale, that's all that is. I did once have a ginger ale that had like legitimate spicy in it, and it was not very clear on the bottle, and it was horrific. It's not an experience I ever wish to repeat. So just to let you know, you're going to have to provide the beer pop after tonight. because I'm not buying any more cans. Oh, boy. All right. Oh, so just just pick up the torch. Uh, but what he did so what he did mention is something we both did this weekend is uh, we've joked about it on a couple of other episodes we've done. So we finally decided it was time to just go ahead and quickly and vigorously dive into the subject. We are going to be discussing the Fast and the Furious franchise. I don't think that we're going to go through every single one of these cinematic masterpieces in one podcast. Oh, not at all. Oh, no. Not at all. Today, we will only discuss three entries in this series. Yes, we are going to break this down into three entries apiece so that they can all have their good due diligence. I think mostly we're doing the first three because these are the ones we watched, and there was just so much for us to dissect and pick (laughs) apart that we decided no more. Um, but we will go ahead and let everyone know that is going to listen to these episodes that we are going to be doing these in release order. Um, so as the movies released from oldest to newest, instead of the chronological order of the series, because there is a bit of a, a time skip and some funkiness in it, 
which we'll go into to more detail later on in the episode. So just keep that in mind as you're listening. If you uh, are a fan of the Fast and Furious series, we are doing, like we said, the release order, not the chronological order. Whew, that Thank was a lot to say PSA. So Yeah, oh, good lord. Uh, let's Before we get into a movie, let's uh, talk about the franchise itself. Uh, we have a franchise that at the moment, at, as of recording, has nine movies that have made $5 billion in the box office. That is, that's a, that's a bit of money. That's a bit of money, because they've only spent a little over a billion dollars right. to make these nine movies. So, pretty so, good return. Yeah, that return on investment is pretty good. Which, yeah. when we started looking into this, some, some of the stuff, it made sense as to why there have been so many of them. Yes. <laughs> but uh, why don't you go ahead and get us started on this uh, the, the, the beginnings here, Andy. Alright, so, when the movie we're going to start with... Um... Well, hold on, are we going to start with the first movie, or do we want to talk about the order of chronologically? Okay, let's let's do chronological order first here. Okay. So, let's first give you... Uh, the first three we're talking about tonight, their release order is... The Fast and the Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, and Tokyo Drift. Those are the first three movies that were released. Right. But... Timeline-wise, is a little bit different. Um, yeah. When these movies started coming out, uh, the director of Tokyo Drift, Justin... What was his name? What was it? Juan? Justin Lin, I believe. Justin Lin. Uh, James yep. Wan's the other one I'm thinking of. <laughs> yeah, Justin Lin is the director. Justin, Justin Lin was Drift. the director of Tokyo Drift, and he also went on to direct uh, a few more of these films. Yep. But. When he comes on board, he realizes that the events of Tokyo Drift, uh, some of the characters, it doesn't quite explain why these characters would know other characters. So he decides to go back and retcon. So we go the Fast and the Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious. Then Fast and Furious, that came out in 2009, which was Fast and the Furious 4, Fast 5, Fast 6. Then the timeline catches up to Tokyo Drift. Then we right. have Furious... Do what? I was saying, yeah, right. So then after that, we get into more regular order of Furious 7. The fate of the Furious. Fate of the Furious. And in theaters now. Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. Yeah. Which. Andy, I think uh, we may need to go see Hobbs and Shaw after you get done moving that gouch. Ah, uh, yeah, I think we may need to. Just gotta, gotta rip the bandit off and go see that. Yep. Yep. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start with, of course, what began the series, The Fast and Furious. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about our key cast real quick. So one, The Fast and the Furious, released in 2001. Uh, we with briefly our... talked about it in a previous podcast. Yeah, we briefly mentioned it, but let's, let's go through the cast, because this makes up like the good little bit of the family and players that we'll see in in future films, and some we won't. So you got Paul Walker as Brian O'Connor. Uh, Vinny D as Dominic Toretto. Got Michelle Rodriguez as Letty. Jordana Brewster as Mia Toretto. Rick Yoon as. Slow, slow down a little bit. Slow down a little okay. bit. Okay. All right. We're not doing these guys jokes. All right. Rick Yoon. We got to talk about. We got to talk about. You said Vinny D is Dominique Toretto. Yes. Michelle Rodriguez is Letty, who is Dominique's love interest. 
we have Jordana Brewster as Mia, who is Dom's, yes, Dom's sister, later becomes the Brian O'Connor love interest. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so, sorry, just... That's fine. We got Rick Yoon as Johnny Tran, our quote-unquote interesting villain for the first entry. Interesting... (laughs) I don't know which one of those is a more interesting choice, calling him interesting or calling him the villain. Yeah, yeah. He was he was he was the bad guy. Was um, he? Was he? Uh, Ch- uh Chad Lindber as Jesse, who is the car guru. Yes. Computer great with computers suffers from ADD. Yes, but it's cars just calm absolute... him down, man. Yeah. Cars calm him down. You got Johnny Strong as Leon. Who brought literally nothing to the movie. Literally nothing. He was just there. He was just there. <laughs> and then Matt Schluz as Vince. A member of Dominic's crew. They've known each other since third grade. And he loves Dominic's sister. That is his character. So so him and Brian are, are butting heads. I think oh, Vince yeah. is the true. I think Vince is the true villain in this show. Vince is the true villain. I'll talk more about him later. So, I just when you put that one, Johnny Strong as Leon, I knew the exact character you were talking about, and I'm like, damn, you're like, what did he? I do? can't remember him doing shit other than like the opening scene being like, "We're ready to roll," and, talking about setting the race yep. up, and then that was it. That's all he brought. That, that was it. That's that's a thing we see. So, a few things I found interesting about this movie. So, just one off. Uh, so. Paul Walker was the first actor to sign on to this project. He'd been in quite a few things before this and had some popularity. Uh, Vin Diesel had to be persuaded to participate. After, I can see uh, that. Yeah, he, he accepted it after proposing several script changes. I'd really like to know what was Vin Diesel inspired in this movie. Maybe it was just all his one-liners. <laughs> there's Maybe. one. There's one I'll talk about later. I hope he can. I've just heard a, a lot. I've just heard a lot of things uh, with this script, with all right. of the basically egos that are in these, yeah. this franchise, that it's just a nightmare to write these scripts. Oh uh, yeah. Getting, getting far worse than later entries when you get some more big names, but I could just not imagine being the writer trying to be like, well, this guy doesn't want to do this for this guy, and you know we gotta we gotta have them both in the movie, this that and the other. So, I would love to see these oh, original yeah. drafts oh, of yeah. some of these. It, these egos become more and more as uh, as the movies go on, and 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 we have some things we can we can mention about that. Uh, another one, another person I didn't mention in this movie who is important to the movie, kind of, is Ja Rule is in the first movie. Oh, that's right. <laughs> So Ja Rule is our resident rapper that is in the first movie and provides a lot of the soundtrack, but, you know, pretty diverse soundtrack as well. Uh, These soundtracks were always good. Uh, the first one, I think, was the weakest one. But but weakest doesn't mean it was bad. <laughs> That's true. Doesn't mean it was bad. Uh, so fashion choices in this movie, I thought, had to be its own separate discussion. In uh, questionable at best. The 2000s were a horrible time for fashion choices. Vince wearing a double tank top with a fishnet top is a huge Yeah, that was a choice. That's an eyesore. Frosted Uh, tips everywhere. Yeah, so much of that. I mean, 
there's more we'll talk about, but I want to give Ben a chance to talk. Give me, give me, give me, give us a little bit of a plot overview before I just start ripping some things in this movie apart. Um, yeah. So your basic plot in the first one is that there are a group of what is assumed to be street racers robbing tractor trailers of electronic supplies, uh, TVs and VCRs so that we can date the movie. Um, Oh, there was DVD players in there, son. Okay, DVD, DVD players. Player. Sorry, yeah, still yeah. dating the movie. We're in the still Blu-ray dating life it, now. But yeah, um, there was stacks of DVD players all over this movie. <laughs> but you have that going on, and in order to try to figure out what's going on, they send Brian O'Connor in to try to infiltrate the street racing scene. Um, he goes under the cover name of Brian Spillman. Little little tidbit there at first. Um, and he's trying to gain the respect of the street racers, specifically Dominic Toretto. Um, so he's having lunch at their little convenience store slash restaurant slash garage, which is where we see kind of the first introduction you know, to all the characters. You know what this convenience store sells, uh, right? The only the only dish I can assume they have is tuna fish sandwich. Is tuna fish sandwich, and Paul Walker, like a child, ask for those crusts to be cut off which just uh, mm. was that your first issue (laughs) was was literally my first issue with rewatching this movie i didn't remember that it made me mad all over again it also looked like this tuna fish sandwich was just pulled out from under the counter just you know yeah it was kind of a weird weird thing aged to perfection yeah something weird like that on and off we (laughs) (laughs) try not to give sorry so we go we go through through that nonsense of crustless tuna fish sandwiches. We get our first introduction to street racing. We see all of this and get a little background over the uh, what it means to be a street racer. And Brian loses his car to Dom, uh, but ends up saving Dom from going to jail, which uh, starts the long courting process of becoming part of the Toretto family. Oh yeah. For yeah. Brian O'Connor. I mean, he saves him from going to jail, but then remember that car gets shot up. Oh yeah. And the NOS. So that car gets up. shot up and I'm, you get, I'm trying to broad stroke here, Andy. All right. All right. Sorry. I'm trying to but it's like one of my favorite stroke. parts is when, when you got a Toretto yelling, the NOS. Yeah. NOS. And then everybody having to run away. But uh, car gets just... shot up by our villain Johnny Tran. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm saying. It's the first entry. Over some, pre- yeah, over some perceived slight between Dom and Johnny Tran. It's a long story that only took two sentences for uh, Toretto to explain, right? Also, I think this is one of the starts of one of these one-liners that you're talking about. Yep. Where he mentions that they're about to have to walk like 20 miles. Yep. And he goes, "It's a long story," and Brian O'Connor's like. We've got a long walk. Yeah, he got a long walk. So he tells him, it was a mixture of a business deal gone bad, and I slept with his sister. Yeah, yeah. Cut to them being in a cab and getting to the <laughs> getting to the, uh, the house party, which... Dude, my favorite party. line in the whole movie is not during the house party. Oh, yes. Okay, good. I want to see which one it is. <sighs> I'm pretty sure I walk- know. When he walks in and Vince is like, yo, what's the buster doing here? <laughs> and Dom just turns off, and the buster kept me out of handcuffs. 
And he, <laughs> like, he gets inordinately angry at Vince. Oh, he gets so angry at Vince. Also, I love that Vince is playing this Zach Wilde guitar, playing the one riff I'm guessing that the actor learned for this scene. Like, oh, this definitely. one riff over and over again while they're showing the house party. What I thought was going to be your favorite line was when Toretto invited him into the party. Like, you can have any beer you want, as long as it's Corona. Oh, the, that was a good one, too. <laughs> you one know Corona loved that. Oh, Corona was so apparent. The whole scene had so many good ones. Uh, I just love him getting inordinately angry at Vince for questioning why Brian's, Brian was there. What was it? There, there's another line where when he walks in, he sees Jesse making out with a girl. And he goes, yeah, you can't uh, detail a car with the cover on. Exactly. Yep. And I was like, damn. Yep. Yep. And then you got the Michelle Rodriguez telling uh, Vince to take her upstairs and give her a massage. Totally not subtle at all. Yeah, there's uh, a lot of innuendo in this movie. Jordana Brewster comes down. Uh, Brian O'Connor. Paul Walker. I'm just going to call him by their actor names most of the time, honestly. Paul Walker hands her a Snapple. Oh, yeah, he does. Just... That's a lot of sugar. Just saying. You might you might do better with the corona. <laughs> yeah. That's not a corona at all. The the parting shot during this party scene is when uh you were talking about uh Dom and Letty are going upstairs to massage one another. And uh, he goes, "You still owe me a 10-second car." Oh yeah. So we're basically knowing now that Brian is in. He's in. And I'm calling them by their their character name because it's way easier for me to keep up sure, with. Sure, sure. Andy, so I think you need to get with the program. I'll, I'll do my best. All right. At least when we're talking about plot line. Right, 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 right. So he gets them a junked out Toyota Supra. Yeah, it comes in on a on a tow truck. Yeah, it comes <laughs> in on a tow truck, and uh, they start putting it together, which. Is, I don't know how car relevant people in this podcast are. Super was a pretty big, pretty big deal back in the late nineties. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Those were some serious cars. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, uh, they start putting it all back together and they're going to get it ready for this event that takes place in the desert called race war race wars i swear that's what the writer wanted to call this movie when they first released it <laughs> it probably like, was. it just would not surprise me and they were probably like w- w- we can't do that this was early 2000s they probably didn't think that way. even that's in the early 2000s history. they could not have done that you couldn't have done that in the 80s you could have you could have so done that in the 80s because mm-hmm. then you could just be like oh but it's about cars <laughs> oh man yeah. In the in, in between there, uh, Brian is using his information he is getting from working with Dom's crew and feeding it to his bosses. They make a sting operation on Johnny Tran, which ends up being worth not a whole lot. Fails because all his DVD players were legal. Yeah, all of his DVD players were. He's just one of those guys, you know, like he just replaces his DVD player after every movie. (laughs) Just disconnects it, (laughs) cracks it over his knee, moves on to the next one. (laughs) 
we're starting to see that Brian is having a conflict of interest because he's getting more romantically involved with Mia and he's really, really under the Dominic Toretto charm here. Just not seeing that Dom would be the kind of guy to do that. So, Oh yeah. Race wars. It all kind of comes to a head. Uh, Jesse decides it'd be a good idea to bet his pink slip and loses it and creates a huge issue between Johnny Tran and, Dominique's crew, which leads us to the event occurring is no, no, no. Okay, never mind. I'm getting ahead of myself. During race wars, Dom, Letty, Vince, and Leon disappear for a bit, and yeah. at this point, Brian is aware that it is them robbing eighteen wheelers. Yep. He forces Mia to tell him where they're going, informing her that he is a cop. And he has to stop them before they get hurt, which he kind of does, I guess. Yeah, kind of. I'm just saying this whole movie could have been better if it was them, the truckers, the entire movie. Because the the trucker scene was so badass. Yeah, yeah, it was. So funny thing about those Honda Civics that were used in the movie. Right. There was not a single true performance upgrade put on any of those cars. It was a body kit. With a universal muffler and afterglow, nice. Nice. the under the underglow. So the scene where the Civics go under the eighteen wheeler, the eighteen wheelers were jacked up eighteen inches to accommodate that scene. Wow! So think so about that. that. That was like one of the more ridiculous scenes in this movie. Now think about what we get in the upcoming movies. Just yeah, they turn it to another level. Yeah. This was like oh shit. They went under a semi, and, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but, man, that being the, like, iconic moment of this movie is yeah. pretty funny, into yeah. how low-key this was. Yeah. I'm not going to lie that if I came across a good, in-shape 97 Civic, that it wouldn't immediately get painted jet black <laughs> and finding those exact aftermarket parts on it. That's Discuss this with my wife today. Told her that it would happen. <laughs> that it would happen. So that them V truckers. Them V truckers could have been a great concept. Them V truckers, but in the in a little bit we get right that that driver shoots Vince, runs shoots Letty off Vince. the road. Yeah, shoots at Vince. Vince is like hanging on the truck, dying, getting his arms shredded by getting his, his arms wire shredded, that he which is with. horrible to watch. So when they finally get him on the side, this is the big moment. They're on like the side of the road in the desert and. And uh, Brian O'Connor can't can't hold it anymore. He has to reveal his identity to call in an you know emergency medical lift. Yes. And you just see Toretto fuming, like yeah. he wants to rip his face apart. Yeah, yeah, he does. And um, it, such a good moment there. Yeah, so he drives off, and to conclude the moment that happened at Race Wars with Jesse running away, instead of turning his car over, he shows up at Dom's house, freaking out. At the same time, Johnny Trin's men come by and gun him down for not turning over the car. Yep. Which causes Dom to go in a righteous fury driving the most badass Dodge Charger that has oh, ever yeah. been seen on a film. 800 horsepower. 800 horsepower. So much torque it bent the frame. Chase <laughs> down these two dudes on dirt bikes and it's just not not even fair. Right. Not even fair. Right. Wasn't a fan. Wasn't a fan of this scene, but it gets us to the point where we get to see 
Dom and Brian run the old quarter mile that Dom ran in high school. Charger versus Supra. We get to see an awesome Charger Willie, but then we also get to see a Charger get destroyed by a train. Yeah. And that's not cool. No. That hurt a little bit inside. Police are coming. Moment of truth. Brian, instead of arresting him, gives him the keys, and Dom drives off into the sunset. And Fast and the Furious killing it with being a post credit scene pioneers here. Oh, yeah. Wait, that was, what was the one in this one that's the post credit? So, post credit scene. Uh, so, if you watch it on Netflix, it totally ruins it because Netflix will switch you off. It's all the way at the end. And it comes in on Baja, Mexico, which even the Wikipedia entry for this is wrong. It is not Baja, California. Well, I guess Baja, California is technically in Mexico, but it's Baja, Mexico. He's driving around in a 1970 Chevy Chevelle SS, and it's just him driving, speeding through the streets of Baja, Mexico, and a voiceover going... I only live my life one quarter mile at a time. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I live it. my life a quarter mile at a time. Not yep. one quarter. I live Sorry. My life a quarter mile. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. Movie. Okay. Which just But that was that was the end credit scene. Yeah. In that one. So basically he managed to make it to the border. He's safe. Yeah, so we know that Toretto is out there. And before we move on to the next movie, oh man, this this, this movie, movie so, made two hundred and seven million dollars. Which meaning, basically, in the middle of the success of this movie, they immediately started planning the next one because they knew, okay, this is not a one-off. We're making a series here. Let's get going. So this this was successful, not the most successful in the series, but it was definitely. Very successful, even though it got mixed reviews, with a lot of praise directed, though, towards Walker and Diesel. Criticism for storyline and the ending, which I can't say I I uh, can argue too much on that. But weird. There's a lot of one-liners in here. Was Did you have a favorite one or a favorite moment? Well, honestly, there's just there's there's a few of them in, in this one. Um, moment-wise, I really, really enjoy the, um, from an action sequence, I'm right there with you, the trucker scene is, like, the pinnacle of action in this movie. I really enjoy the moments where we start learning more about Dom's character, like, when they're working in the garage and he's talking to Brian, like, what happened to his father, why he has a record. Um, oh, yeah, things yeah. like that. So those were like for a movie that was really just more about action and cars. Those were some really deep character building things that was kind of. This one has the me. most character building, I think, out of all the movies. Out of these three. Out of these three, definitely, yeah. Out of these yeah, three, yeah. I definitely. I can't speak past these three because I haven't even seen past. Yeah, so. past these three, it, it changes quite a bit. Yeah, I loved all the back. I I mean I loved almost all the one liners. I mean even starting oh, like yeah, when they're yeah. ra- when they're racing. There's like, oh man, that's about ten G, uh, ten <laughs> G in the engine. And then he's right. like, yeah, so can I race? He goes, this just shows that you know how to spend your money well. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. And then of course the classic man, I almost had you. And then if you have ever played an online racing game and you've heard someone say, oh man, I almost had the win. I guarantee you the next line is going to be. 
You never had me. You never had your car. <laughs> winning is winning, whether it's by an inch or a mile. You know what I mean? Just like so right. many, so many moments that to this day oh, yeah, can yeah. still be quoted. I, I love a the, lot about the, that. Oh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. The moment after the barbecue dinner. Yes. I was just going to get to that. <laughs> Brian goes in to help her clean dishes. Oh, and yeah, Vince. Vince comes in to be try to be the ultimate cock block. Oh, God. Because Brian just got shut down saying, oh, I don't date my brother's friends. Right. And then Vince comes in here acting like an asset. And she goes, oh, what's that little Cuban place you wanted to take me to? And he thinks, oh, she's going to go on a date with me. Mm-hmm. Then she just turns around and goes, oh, you can take me there. I was oh. like, oh, shit. And I love how Son. pissy he gets. He's like, there's no popcorn. You can make your own popcorn. Steps over all the guys watching, you know, some Bruce Lee movie. <laughs> just, just, oh, oh classic. God, I love, so good. I love that movie. So fucking so good. So yeah, that one. I also love the, just the, the quarter mile at a timeline kills me. It just, it does. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's ridiculous. So Vin Diesel, I hope he came up with it all on his own. For real, <laughs> it's just, just. Horrific. I think, I think every every character except Leon has a moment to shine in this movie. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure, Leon has zero moments to shine. Uh, Absolutely some of the, zero moments. Some of the the music in this is great. We hear Ludacris's area codes in the middle of that party. We also see Michelle Rodriguez's character laying down, playing PlayStation One. Um, Yep. You also see one of the first racers playing yep. a PlayStation One in his car. You do see that. Yep. He's got playing Gran Turismo car. badly. Oh yeah. Music, fashion choices, some of the tech, all, all stood out to me in this one. So, if you don't have anything else, I don't have anything else on the first entry here. Uh, the only thing I say is the dude that is playing Hector oh, has yeah. played. Played the dude named Hector in pretty much any movie that's needed a dude named Hector. Basically. All right. So our next entry in the franchise, Too Fast, Too Furious. Comes out in the year 2003. The year of our So yeah, they basically, they started filming this movie immediately when Fast and Furious got done. Yeah. Yeah. So... We got a few few of the same players, but some differences. Obviously, we got Paul Walker back as Brian O'Connor. I can um, only think of two people in this movie that were also in the other one. Yeah, so Paul Walker and uh, his FBI boss. Yeah, Agent really, Bilkins, who we didn't mention only, a second ago. We did not. So this was, a like, you'll get categorized as a standalone sequel. They had some issues getting the cast together for this movie. Vin Diesel declined to be in this movie. He decided to make Chronicles of Riddick instead. He turned down $25 million after reading the script and said he wasn't happy with it. Also, I would be um, happy with a lot of things for $25 million. I know. And he went on to make Chronicles of Riddick, the 2004 one, which, all right. Um, So also Ja Rule turned down this movie. Ja Rule was paid... Only fifteen thousand, and I say only fifteen thousand for his tiny role in the first one. They offered Ja Rule five hundred thousand. Literally the first fifteen seconds. Yep, they offered Ja Rule five hundred thousand dollars to be in the second one. He basically would not return their calls, from what I was reading, and said he was too big for sequels anyway. 
So this gave them the opportunity to introduce two new characters in Roman Pierce, played by Tyrese Gibson. And uh, we'll talk about his role a little bit more. And then also Tej uh, Parker, played by Ludacris, uh, who is a race host and friend of Brian's and provides an amazing amount of music. Because as they wrote in the article, I wrote for this little-known rapper Ludacris at the time, which not to me at this time. Okay, <laughs> so let's let, let's be fair on this one. Yeah. If you were outside of Atlanta in 2003, Ludacris may not have been big time. Yeah, I was outside of Atlanta in 2003, and I knew all about Ludacris. But... Oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, I, I thought Ludacris was big from a long time before because of living yeah. in Georgia. Like, he was everywhere yeah, then. Yeah, that's true. I mean, but he was I everywhere also... when I was living in Florida, which, another interesting piece of this one, this movie was filmed in my hometown of Miami and the South Florida area. Um. And like Man, we mentioned for Titanic, my grandfather worked on this movie. So Okay. He had a lot of involvement on uh he always did sign painting. So he actually did a lot of the designs you see on the cars and a lot of the setup for the cars and all that kind of stuff on this he would have been involved with. So That's pretty awesome. Yeah, yeah. This was a pretty interesting movie to film. I remember him talking about it. It's It always trips me up. He has a hat that says Fast and the Furious 2, because that was the, the decided upon name until they decided to change it to Too Fast, Too Furious after they'd already made all the crew equipment. <laughs> right, so, right. So, um, do we want to go over some of the important cast members in this one, or do we want to jump into the plot? Uh, let's go over some of the cast members, because we do all have right. some new ones. Right. Um, and when we go over the cast member, it kind of helps with the plot as well. That's true. Um, we've got the returning Brian O'Connor, who is no longer a cop, just living in Miami and hustling kids, street racing. Yep. Luda is obviously, or Tej is obviously his hookup for races. Oh yeah. <laughs> Tej is his hookup for a lot of things. Tej runs Miami. <laughs> yeah, he movie. is. Yeah, he does. With Tej that fro, runs Miami with that fro. <laughs> <clears throat> you best move, bitch. Get out of his way. Uh, we get uh, Tyrese Gibson, as we mentioned, as Roman Pierce, who in the movie is portrayed as a childhood friend for Brian that got arrested, and he blames yep. Brian for his arrest. That is correct. Um, we have the smoking hot Eva Mendez as <laughs> who, Monica Fuentes. My apologies if, to Eva Mendez and Michelle Rodriguez. I confuse both of those actresses all the time. Dude. I don't see how because Eva Mendez has so much more ass than Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> they just—it's more their characters. It's because they play a lot of similar roles throughout their okay filmography. That's well, funny. she plays a custom agent working undercover, and she is considered the like top Love interest. Top, yeah, top. She's the top girl for a. Uh, our main villain here, Carter Verone. Yep, yep. Played by Cole Hauser. He's a drug lord. And yeah, he's a drug lord in Miami. Like, this is very he's fucking a, original. Oh, yeah. Plot piece Ruthless here. Ruthless Argentinian drug lord, which I I like they went Argentinian instead of the typical Colombian drug lords, like the bad boys. They're trying not to profile too much. It's true. It's true. Um, you got Ludacris and it's Tej Parker. 
We've said that twice. Right, right, right. But he is a his role. He's a race host. He is a race host. What he does. And the reason he doesn't race is because he hit a wall doing a buck twenty. Yep. <laughs> so. Yep, that's him. So you got. Um, it's one of those. It's one of those moments in the movie where they're like, "We're gonna try to give you some story, but you need to be listening. What the fuck is being said to understand what's going on?" Yeah. This next just, character, though, Suki. Suki, played by Devin Aoki. Yeah, I've never the, heard this uh, name before uh, this or is seen a, her in anything else. No, but this is a sad fact for this movie that doesn't age well. She is the only named female racer in this movie. And her crew is made up entirely of women who are unnamed. Uh, she also drives that hot pink custom Honda S2000. Yeah, I thought S2000s were really cool. Yeah. I, I wasn't a big fan of her like all pink one, but S2000s are cool. Let's she, be honest, though. She's not the only named woman in the movie. No, no, no. That's where I say only named female racer is yeah. how they put that fact. But she's the so. only female racer in the yeah. movie. Yep. There were three of them in the previous movie, but yeah, I mean, no, I know, I know. Let's let's be but, honest. The Miami backdrop, it's more all about the TNA. Yeah, not about the personality. Any other characters we want to go over before we jump right into this fantastic plot? There is one other character. Uh, it is the character of Agent Markham. Yeah, played by James Raymar. He is like the head of the U.S. Customs in charge of the operation against Verone. Like Monica's right. his his girl right. on the inside. I can't watch this movie without immediately thinking of two other movies he was in. He played Ajax in The Warriors. Mm-hmm. And then he was also Raiden in Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh, wow. So, like, I see him in these and I'm like, <laughs> you were in those movies. That's fantastic, actually. So those are, those are the ones that I always get. Uh, get to, I see him and I'm just like, mm, yep, 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 yep. Yeah, so... The plot of Too Fast, Too Furious, besides being in Miami. I think uh, this was a good backdrop, though. Like, yeah, yeah. Miami no, no, is no, the no. background. It made it made a lot more sense than... The background for this movie, just being totally biased, though, was, was perfect. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Basic, basic plot, you know, we, we kind of get started with just the simple of, oh, Tej is hosting a street race. Uh, oh, they need a fourth driver. Somebody can't make it. So he calls in Brian. So we get to see Brian in this baller ass uh, R34 GTR uh, Skyline, still left-hand drive. At the time that this movie was filmed, that car would have been illegal in the United States. Oh, my God. Thank you for saying the number one fact everybody talks about when they mention this movie. Well, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. No, I love you. I love you for it. Yeah. I just, I well, knew you were about the, to say the, it. The, the basic <laughs> thing about this car is it did not meet uh, the national highway safety standards here in the United States. Um, so the only way you could have one is you could have a left hand drive car if you were a postman. Uh, so when I started driving, maybe he was. I mean, <laughs> things they don't talk about, but that was like my first thought when I saw this movie and then started looking into it. Like, you can't get these cars over here. Um, but funny thing is, now, as we're recording this, yeah, that was a 99. The car is now 20 years old. They are now Oof. able to be brought over to the United States. Nice. They are now legal because there's a 20-year period. But 
if you want to go look at some stupidly expensive cars, <laughs> go look up at the prices and get one of those bitches yeah. imported over here. Go ahead. Go ahead and check those out. <laughs> yeah. Not saying um, yeah. that I wouldn't immediately buy one if uh, I had unlimited monies. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course. So <sighs> we get the street race, obviously. Jumping um, a fucking bridge. Yeah. Yeah, they jumped that bridge. I remember how much how much anger there was in Miami around the time, though, during this filming. They kept having to close down chunks of highway and streets, and it was a mess, um, which is, yeah, just expected. They had to do a lot of reshoots, and then they have to reclose down things, but so they have their, their race. So it's and, like living in Atlanta every day now. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They have their race, and just like in the first movie, the police show up right away. So Brian, unfortunately, gets caught. And they decide to, instead of sending him straight to jail, try to use his police background to get information. So they're trying to partner him up with somebody to keep an eye on him. He quizzes the dude on his car knowledge. And Brian's like, I can't take this dude. He's going to get me murdered. I'll only do this (laughs) under one condition. Enter Roman Pierce. Yes. They go to this demolition derby in Barstow, California, (laughs) where Roman Pierce is just wrecking cars. And, and somebody just, points out he's on house arrest, and he goes, that's my park so close to the track. Right. He's living in a fucking mobile home. Which also, is that not a baller move for somebody on house arrest? Oh, oh, it was to so have good. A, to have a so mobile good. home. Because I love that they show, his, they show his ankle bracelet like the first time you see his scene. It's like very quick, but you can tell he's got an ankle bracelet on. And then they mention the, oh, he's on house arrest. So, so Brian recruits him after they that. fight in the parking lot. Which, uh, if you ever notice any of uh, Paul Walker's future works, uh, he took and fell in love with jiu-jitsu. Um, I think oh. when he was filming some of the fight scenes for right. the original Fast and Furious. And you definitely see him showing off more of those moves in this movie. And in what was that movie that came out right after he passed away? All right, so... Yeah, he recruits uh, recruits his boy Rowan Pierce, and so after he's you know he's just like, hey, you're gonna you're gonna get a good deal out of helping me. He's getting convinced to go ahead and start this kind of rat race for a package in a car that was confiscated. Uh, so the drug lord that works with uh, our lovely Eva Mendez is like, hey, go go to this car. I don't care. What I don't care about the car, I care about the package in the car, which then brings me my favorite Roman Pierce scene. Him and uh, Brian walking up to the car. Roman Pierce wraps his hand in a shirt, punches the window out to get into the car, and you see Brian just stop, look at him, and unlock the door, and it's just totally unlocked. I just I still laugh out loud every single time at that uh, <laughs> that uh, that moment. But uh, did you find your, your trivia you were looking for there on Paul Walker? I'm almost there. All right. I'll let you find that. Brick Mansions. Ah, okay. So they get the package. Get the package. The cops have assumed that they are trying to escape and end up busting into this from which we uh, have him. We have Roman Pierce shoot at the cops uh, as they get away <laughs> yeah roman pierce doesn't care he just turns around starts yeah, shooting. he literally goes i'm gun. not going back to jail and then starts yeah. shooting at 
cops. It's like, what? Calm yep. down, good yep. sir. So this is how they win the the job to work for for Carter Barone, however you want to refer to him as. Creates a really funny scene when they get back to kind of report what's going on. Markham gets right in their face talking about getting shot at. And at that <laughs> moment, like he gets in Pierce's face. Brian takes his pistol, disarms it, and says, "If Roman had wanted to sh- or shoot you, he would have. He would have basically." Right. Just straight up saying, like, he was shooting at you because there were other people there. You had to keep appearances up. Yep. You know, can't can't make it look like uh, they're on the inside or anything like that. Oh, damn, I forgot before that scene, though, when they're sitting there and they're leaving. And Paul Walker's like, you've got a gun? What do you what do you got a gun for? And Roman Pierce is like, and you ain't packing? And he just, like, gets real quiet, like, yeah, I got a gun, too. <laughs> that they just don't talk about. But. Right, right. The the back and forth man um, in in Brian O'Connor and Roman Pierce these two guys had such a good chemistry on on screen. Oh yeah, oh yeah, no. They and were... it it showed in all of their scenes together. Yeah, they're starting to get information about. Uh, they're being told that they're going to get to make a run for Verone, and that'll be able to put the money and the drugs in the same spot so that customs can get him. That's supposed to be our main plot point. But right. in the meantime, it takes a long time to get You know, but here I am, I'm thinking, and I'm trying to explain this movie. Yeah. And the main plot is about getting Verone. Yep. But we've we figured this out, and we still got like an hour to kill in this movie. So they're like, oh, well, we're going to make it to where they're being tailed, and yeah. their cover's <laughs> going to almost get blown several times by Eva Mendez. Right. And right. there's going to be a rat interrogation scene with the Miami Oh, TV. that scene. That's not cool. It's not a cool scene at all. Like it. Don't like it. I don't it. like it. <laughs> don't like it at all. Oh, we're going to discover that our cars are wired with GPS, so we need oh, man. new cars for some reason. Yeah, yeah. Which I've GPS never understood. Is, it, it, it's down in the in the chip, which which I, I forgot to mention this for the first movie, but now I want to jump into it. The, <laughs> the zoom-in sequences they do on car parts always killed me like when they would zoom into the nas you know setup or when they for the gps right they zoomed into the engine and then into a chip that was beeping and then all of a sudden you see the you know oh we got his car on this road going on i-75 and they're you know relaying that back to the cops so that just oh those scenes along with the warp drive sequences when they use nas are hilarious Right, just just adds to the charm. Oh, it is. It's so <sighs> early two thousands too. It, it really is. So we got the rat, the rat scene. We got we got all that. So they they're on the you know the big day of the mission, right? They Brian and Roman have those duffel bags of Roan's money, and this is where well, they before set we, up. before we get to that part. Okay, for some reason, which we're not going to go too deep into. Right. There's some convoluted reason that they need to get more cars <laughs> right? so that they can get away without these GPS devices, even though they're trying to work for the cops. They're not trying to like yeah. backstab the cops, but we still need new cars, right. blah, 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 this, that, and the other. When the bad guys never discover that there was a GPS device in the car, it's yeah, just yeah. convoluted plot point that it makes my just made for some, yeah, it just made for some entertaining movie scenes. Yeah. They have to get away from the cops. We get an awesome little cop chase sequence going down the freeway in their rice rockets that they own, 
which they are now in a 2002 Mitsubishi Lancer Evo and a 2003 Mitsubishi Eclipse Spider GTS, which I'm going to go ahead and let you know that Eclipse Spider GTS cannot do half of what they want to say it could do in this movie. <laughs> Just saying. Right. right. Was this chase before or, or this was during the scramble portion? Before the scramble, because okay, they okay. take these cars to that place. Then right, the right. Scramble. Okay, okay. So yeah, they're getting to this warehouse that they have to get to, right? Right. And the scramble is where they lose the new cars, or lose the GPS-chipped cars, right. and get away from the cops. The scramble is probably my favorite scene in this movie. I just love that moment where all the cop cars are sitting outside all these warehouse doors. Warehouse doors lift, and it's just... Dodge Ram trucks going at it, and you see the cop cars basically going, oh shit, and trying to back away, and they just get pummeled by Dodge Ram just going all monster truck night on them. It's just (laughs) monster truck rally happening in the middle of this area. Clears out the path for them to then send out the second uh, wave of everybody else's fucking cars. Which you just get that scene where it's just like every, guessing every racer in this area and their cars are just out and about to, you know, confuse the police, basically. Because that's what, that's what Tej organized. Yep, shortly Tej organizes that. They proceed to chase down the GPS chip cars to find out they are being driven by <laughs> Tej and Suki. Yeah. Which I thought was amazing. When you see Ted step out, like you don't realize, like it looks like it could just be any of them with right. the foot that steps out. But when <laughs> Suki steps out of the spider, like you know that boot is not Roman Pierce's. <laughs> yeah, there's like six cops, and Ted's just like, I know my plates are expired, but damn. But damn. Yeah, that was one of the one liners that just are amazing in this movie. I love that line, it was so good. You've got uh, Brian and uh, Roman are getting away uh, in a separate way, and they have made ejection sheet uh, ejection seats on their what is it the uh, the sixty nine Camaro and the seventy Challenger. Challenger, right? Because remember, hold on. Earlier, we find out that whole convoluted point of oh, once they're done with you, they're gonna kill you, Brian. Right, right, right. We didn't even mention that, but that's why they have these ejector seats. Right. But what I'm saying is I still don't understand why they needed to get the other GPS cars because if they knew they were going to kill them, you just needed to have the cops following these fucking GPS cars much closer than you intended to. No, no. Just... I'm just saying. It's just a very convoluted tactic there. Right. But it, it ends up we've got uh, Roman ejecting his passenger uh, and Brian reveals that it's not the drop point they thought it was because... Uh, Air Strip was never mentioned, which is correct. Then we got to have uh, Brian almost get shot and killed as Eva Mendez has been found out and is on a boat with Verone. Roman Pierce comes, saves the day, like Roman Pierce needs to do. Yep. And then we then we have the Super Dukes of Hazard moment. Yes, my favorite scene of the movie. <laughs> they jump the Camaro from the land onto a fucking boat. Right, so we that just turned it sense. up again for number two. Turned it up from drifting or you know running not drifting yet not yet just racing under 18 wheelers to now jumping onto yachts jump jumping was a very common thing already because that jump off the bridge would have destroyed a car suspension 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's not the way cars can operate under normal <laughs> situations. Right. Um, movie magic. Thank you very much. Right. Uh, we have that happen. They catch Verone. Everything gets wrapped up in this nice little bow. Roman decides to trust Markham, the agent, and gives him the extra three bags of money they have. Yep. And as we walk away, we discover that their pockets are not empty. And <laughs> Which, they lift like, their shirts to re- show. <laughs> Hell no, son. I wouldn't have told them about the other three bags, but that's just right. me. Right. I would have been like, yeah, I got more bags over here. I'd have dropped like two bags. <laughs> like, this is for me. <laughs> so they decide they're going to stay in Miami and open a garage. Yep. Uh, which I bet that garage is going to serve some baller ass tuna fish sandwiches if Toretto decides to come around again. I, I bet it is too. <laughs> I honestly would have loved to seen like three fast, three furious, and it just be Roman just and Brian running Miami street garage. races. Miami garage. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, God. I would have loved. Oh. I would have loved for that. I would have paid so much money. So this uh, movie ends up making two hundred and thirty-six point three million dollars in the box office. Yeah, it does. So this becomes, you know, obviously the highest-grossing uh, to that point. Mm-hmm. But it, it stays as the highest-grossing for a little bit. Um, oh yeah, for, for it, quite a bit actually. It'll stay. It'll, it'll stay. It'll stick around as the highest-grossing film for a bit. And I mean, really, even with the missing of Vin Diesel and and some of the ridiculousness, I I love this one way more than the first entry of the series. While it had its issues with convoluted plot points, and you could tell that we even struggled to explain it a bit, and I literally just watched this movie. There's just a huge section of the movie where yeah. it could just not be there, and you still get to the end point. Right, right, exactly. So, I mean, you got you got a lot of the classic Fast and Furious one-liners, you know, obviously, like, you know, some of the ones we just mentioned. But Luda, uh, the beginning I love a, any, I, I love any time Roman Pierce is a smartass in this movie. Oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Like, <clears throat> you're on house arrest. How do you compete in these? That's why I park close to the track. <laughs> when he steals the cigar cutter from Verone, he's like, oh, I yeah. thought you had like 13 of these lying around. You got any food in there? We need to eat. <laughs> right. Trying to get, no, trying to get just, food. Fantastic. Like, he was so good in this movie. Um, Ludacris had his, you know, my plates were expired line, but also at the beginning with Suki, he has his line with her about being like, hey, you got to bring your, uh, you got to bring that car by, uh, by my shop so we can work on your front end all that fast what was it oh when you oh no no there was one line where he goes yeah when you gonna when you gonna pop my clutch right she goes when you get the right equipment it's like (laughs) damn (laughs) just burned also think it is lightly implied that she may be a lesbian with that line yeah light light implication uh uh once again i always love some of the tech we see in these early movies like the monster computers they have set up in that house you know the elizabeth taylor house as they like lightly oh yeah in there um those just monster gray monitors and then before the meeting they need iced mocha frappuccinos or whatever or iced cappuccinos and they all have these enormous mugs of iced decaf cappuccinos while they're having a you know cop meeting. <laughs> just just ridiculous but in the in a really fantastic way. Yeah, a lot of it. A lot of it was just ridiculous, and this one was definitely better than the first one, right? All the way around. Um, 
I didn't like the cars as much in this one as I did the first one. Um, but I really feel like a complaint a lot of people have about the current movies is they've gotten away from the street racing aspect of things. But sure. As we were talking about, street racing in both of these movies is implied in like two scenes in the entire right. movie. Right. The movies have never been about street racing. It's always been something else. Um, yeah, it's true. It's 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 funny because they're like you know definitely definitely much lighter on the racing than anything else in a lot of them. But yes, in, in moving forward, it just continues to get lighter and moves from yeah. racing to car foo right in later entries. But let's go right. ahead and move on to the next film that was released. All right, so the. This is the last entry that I have seen, so I'm gonna have to do my do my work after this. So Tokyo Drift, the third chronological. Uh, movie sorry, released. Fast and the Furious presents sorry. Tokyo Drift. Fast and the Furious presents Tokyo Drift, released in 2006. Um, so this movie, they were unable to secure any of the series' initial cast members, so they decided, well, we need to make another movie stat because we're still making money it's still hot let's go so they decide okay tokyo drift is just going to be a distinct entry we're focusing on cars we're going to go outside of the u.s and new characters uh justin lynn comes in as the director as we mentioned earlier he goes on to film the next three movies after this um so give me give me some give me some key cast members before we jump into plot ben so we have lucas black um as sean boswell who is our main protagonist to the series a young man that loves cars gets uh in a lot of trouble street racing um and which is why he has to move to japan other fun fact lucas black is also the kid from sling blade oh i did not know that so so there's a there's another one uh we have su kang as han lu uh who's just called han throughout the whole movie um he's a business partner parker parker business partner for a later character we'll talk about and uh he takes Sean under his wing because while everyone is like super intimidated by um, Takashi, also known as DK, the Drift King, everybody's intimidated by him, and Sean just doesn't give a fuck at yep. all. Yep. So Han's like, I need people that are like him that'll stand up for what they believe in, and that's why he takes him under his wing. Uh, Takashi, of course, is played by Brian T. We'll go ahead and jump to that one. Uh, the real star of this movie that everybody needs to know about is Bow Wow as Twinkie. <laughs> Twinkie. Twinkie. First oh. off, that name. Twinkie. Introduces even... himself, and he's like, he's just like this, he's just hawking everything he can get his hands on. Every like, he single thing. He's selling it. It's like, yo, dog, you need a laptop, an iPod, some Jordans, <laughs> a Snickers? He's got you covered, man. Which... He's got you covered on all fronts. Oh, man. Once again, jump into the tech. Those iPods. Those iPods. Those are like the original iPods that looked like. It was, I think it was the minis. Would have been the minis at this point. Would have been pretty hot. But yeah, yeah. All kinds of, all kinds of just various goods that he is constantly in. And that's how he, he only piques uh, Sean's interest when he meant, when like Sean notices a steering wheel he has. But yep. We'll yep. For his, that. his Volkswagen, what is it, a Teak one? Oh God, it's fantastic! Natalie Kelly as Nelia, who is at the time of the movie starting, uh, DK's girlfriend, but definitely developed a thing for Sean. Even though she's living in Japan, she has a very British accent. <laughs> Makes sense. That kind very of very Australian me. accent. 
Oh, whatever, man. Australian <laughs> is <laughs> Australian is just redneck British people, man. We got Sony Chiba as Kamada. So funny story about this. Sony Chiba, of course, is huge in Japanese film. Yep. He'd always wanted to be a bad guy, and this was the first movie he got to be a bad guy in. Oh, I'm so happy for him. Yeah, but yeah, he is Kamada, who is like head dingling of the Yakuza in this movie. <laughs> and he is also Takashi's uncle. So it's like Takashi has all this power basically because his uncle is a badass. Right. <laughs> we've got a uh, we've got, of course, uh, a rear admiral Boswell, who is Sean's dad living in Japan. For mysterious reasons. For mysterious reasons. He's in the military, that's why he's living in Japan. Mysterious reasons. They, they mentioned that. Yeah, because the Navy's very mysterious. None of these other characters you've really listed None of these are other characters important, are. but I do want to state that Zachary Ty Bryan as Clay, uh, the guy he races in the very beginning of the movie, you may also yeah. remember Zachary Ty Bryan from Home Improvement. He was the oh, son. that's why he looked familiar. Yeah, yeah, he did. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, he did. That. Also, also, I'll wait till we get into the plot point before I talk because right. I got some feelings about that first race. Yeah, yeah, I, I think we're gonna have similar. Feelings. All right, so you said you had feelings. Let's let's jump into the plot here of of three fast. So the plot starts with the, the opening scene of this movie. You've got a really interesting song choice playing in the beginning of this movie, but it fits really well as it's going on. There's one scene in the beginning before we hear any words where uh, Sean is watching a kid get bullied in auto class. Yeah. And the moment that you're seeing this kid get bullied and he sees Sean and is looking at Sean like he's supposed to be a hero. And then Sean turns his head and the change in the kid's eyes at that moment when he realizes nobody's going to help him sticks out with me, which I know how weird that oh, sounds. Yeah. That is a very, very specific scene, which I would not have remembered if I hadn't just watched this again. You probably, yeah, but, uh, but it's the same thing like when we talked about Titanic. There's just yeah, that yeah. one 15 second scene with the old couple. Yep. Holding each other till they die, and it just hit me. But watching that little kid's fucking eyes, and I mean, it's not a little kid, he's in high school. Yeah. But watching the kid's eyes get wide as he realizes nobody's going to help him, just it, it, it hit me in the soul. Yeah. But his, uh, his first interactions outside, talking to the cute girl um, as he's getting into his car, um, which ugh, I love, love old cars and yeah. those old school GMC bodies. The GMC and the Chevy bodies were just ugh, so nice. But of course we get a douche lord with daddy money car come oh over boy, saying, oh, you're, Viper. You're piece, yeah, you're a piece of shit. Couldn't, you know, touch my dad. He says you can read the brochure. Oh, yeah, yeah, you better. can read the brochure. And, you know, he's sitting there with a 1971 Chevy Monte Carlo. <laughs> and uh, he's like, I only race for pink slips. And the dude's like, what the hell? Why would I race you for pink slips? Right. You know, because it's like my car's worth 80 grand. And then, of course, the girlfriend like, well, you can race for me. Oh, it does not age well. Which, uh, <laughs> no, and I also want to state this. Let's talk about this. Yeah. In this scene, Sean's character is 17 years old. Yep. So we have a really weird scene involving some teenagers in high school. Yeah, 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 exactly. Really weird scene. Exactly. So we're going to have this street race through an abandoned or uh, a currently under construction neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. And let's start this scene by having an underage person take their bra off and drop it to signal the start of the race. Oh, this movie! <laughs> yeah, let's start there. Oh, this, movie. this movie does not get better from this standpoint at all. I'm going to go ahead and let everybody know it does not get any better from this standpoint. Oh, God. Um, 
But let's talk about possibly the greatest use of ball with a ball in movie history. Yeah, I mean, even I could get behind this. This whole race scene is so much more intense with Kid so Rock. So much, playing. so much more intense. This scene just has so much ridiculousness to it with him driving through under construction houses, which I I have zero doubts that his car could absolutely just cut through a oh hell yeah a stubbed out house yeah, like could. butter which was fun yeah. to watch though at least yeah it was fun to watch <laughs> and that 71 monte carlo was nothing but steel and sex appeal so yeah it definitely could do all that there's another thing that when he throws the when you first see the back end of this monte carlo mm-hmm. it has fucking racing drags on the back of it yep like what the hell kid calm down there's no reason you need this much on your car when the viper is getting past and we have the girl saying well i thought you loved me oh i love that part (laughs) oh dude i love and i hate that part because you just watch yeah the facial expression change like you see this kid go from like oh no yeah and just is losing it um it's just oh god it's just rough it's rough to watch because i think everybody in school had a had a moment where something like that may have happened to them. Uh, so that he goes off and he's just slamming the car. First off, yeah. disrespectful for the Viper to be slamming it against something like that. It is because very disrespectful because you're just going to tear up the Viper. Yeah, exactly. You're, just <laughs> you're gonna, hitting against you're just pure tear metal. Yeah, yeah. Oh, and then exactly. when they crash, so as long... in all reality, they would have both been dead. Um, like my that... money was on the Monte Carlo being okay. No, 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 no. I mean when the Viper crashes. Oh, oh yeah, Both when the Viper crashes the into the pipe. would have died. D-E-A-D. D-E-A-D, absolutely. No, I feel like you could definitely survive the Monte Carlo crash because you got so much protection, but that Viper... He has a five-point harness in that car. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's also got a harness, so he's fine, but oh my god. When, like, watching that crash again when I watched this movie, it was just... <sighs> hated it hated that scene right <laughs> because then i love when they show them in the you know in the in the um cops office and and they basically just have like scratches <laughs> right yeah they have <laughs> scratches like, and no no nah, nah, that girl's neck would have been broken because they're rich kids they're getting off immediately but not our boy sean here oh yeah oh yeah no no so in order for uh for him to not go to jail he gets sent back to what does he get sent to Japan to go live with his dad so that he doesn't serve jail time. Yeah. Basically that's the only way he gets out of it. He avoids juvie or, or jail. He goes stay with his U S Navy officer father in, in Tokyo. Um, so he comes to Tokyo basically being told, you know, if you don't have any other chances, this is it. His dad wants him to stay away from cars. He breaks that rule immediately. Yeah, breaks that rule immediately. Thanks, Twinkie. So fast. Yeah. For for showing him up, and then uh, we get of course the scenes later on. We get the scene in the car park, which is the one I think everybody is familiar with, where he's like, "What's DK stand for? Donkey Kong? Donkey no, Kong? No, Drift King. Drift King." <laughs> Love I love that line. But he's sitting there and uh I love when he's sitting there talking his shit to DK and he goes, Oh, it's easy to talk shit when you ain't got a car. And Han's like, Here, drive mine. Yep. Just like 
no qualms about it. Just go. throws him the keys to a, a damn Nissan Silvia S15. He doesn't know like, the mistake he is making. Doesn't understand that that even though he doesn't know what he's doing, Sean is yep. about to wreck the shit out of his oh, car. Oh God! Watching that whole race scene is so oh, it's, painful. It's rough because he's trying I to. I love when he's sitting in the car. So first he doesn't off, know how to drift. Yeah, yeah. So he's watching these people racing. They're drifting. First off, Sean goes to Twinkie and he's like, "Can I get a thirty-second tutorial on how to drift?" Yeah, he just pulled an e-brake. <laughs> and it is not as simple as he thought. Obviously, no, because he not literally ping pongs around that parking garage, just smashing every corner of this car. Yeah, but it's, it's one of it's the things really I bad. love is is people filming the race on their flip phones. Um. Oh, not just scenes. filming, not just filming the race on their mm-hmm. flip phones. Yeah, filming the race on their flip phone and everyone seeing like yeah, it yeah, in yeah. real time. Essentially, like it's some kind of they're somehow feed. live streaming the race between flip phones between each other. They just oh my god, I was just I was losing it about this when I was the first time. It didn't even phase me. But watch this it hurt second real bad time, this time, didn't it? It hurt so bad. I was just thinking about those three GP video files trying to stream, which is I do love in that in that first race the scene of them all trying to jump into the different elevators, you know, in shifts. And Han's the last one, oh. still not giving a fuck, just eating his popcorn. Takes the yeah, last just elevator never up. A fuck, honestly, yep. just never giving a fuck. Never giving a fuck. If there's takes one the thing that Han, there. yeah. If there's one thing that Han does well in this whole series, it's called not give a fuck. He right. he real good at that. Uh, but he basically after this he for uh, he doesn't force, but he basically makes Sean his errand boy, uh, help him run around collect money from the side <laughs> deals that he runs. Uh, in return to uh, in return for the crumpled beard can of a car that he now has. Oh God! There's a there's a line that I'm pretty sure you don't appreciate anymore in this movie. Mm-hmm. When he gives Sean the Evo. Right. And he goes, what? Do you think I'm going to have you driving around in a Hyundai? Oh, yeah. (laughs) I was watching that today and I was like, huh. Huh. All right. Yeah. To be fair, this is before Hyundai got halfway decent. This is before Hyundai got good. But yeah, I I probably laughed at it the first time I watched it. (laughs) (laughs) You should laugh at it all the time. It's true. I should. Mm-mm-mm. Laugh yeah, at it so all the time. He becomes, he becomes his errand boy. He gives him that Evo, right? And then he starts trying to teach him how to drift. Yep. Um, I love the two old men at the like shipping yard that he's trying to learn at, just heckling. Do you know? Do you know who those two old men are? They are considered the fathers of modern drifting. Oh, there's the ones that started it. That's fantastic. I did not know that. So. So they got uh they got a lot of little weird cameos like that in there. I'm trying to get their names, so give me. Yeah, so you know, he's he's teaching them how to drift. Um he's, you know, kinda kinda getting getting lay of the land there in in you know, in Japan. Um not without his own mistakes. Uh he ah, I'm trying to remember. So yeah, he masters drifting. He's able to defeat DK's right hand man, Morimoto. So he starts feeling like like hot shit. 
he tries to ask Neela out on a date, um, which Takashi does not take very kindly to that. Beats the ever-living crap out of him. And I'm going to see if you got what you needed here, Ben. Yeah, it's um the one the ones I'm thinking of. It's uh I cannot pronounce his name. Um, Gechi Taishuye. He's um all right the one on the dock. Uh, okay, that is he? He's one of the two on the dock. Right there in uh that scene. Uh, funny story also about all of the driving in this movie because this movie did not use as much CGI as previous movies did. Um, I don't know if you mm-hmm. noticed that as you were watching it. Um, Universal had to go out and basically hire all the professional drifters that Ooh. were like racing and drifting because right. they because their stunt drivers could not drift. Yeah, so you I'm not have, surprised. You have Reese Millian, uh, Samuel Hubinet, uh, Tanner Faust, a lot of big names in the drift scene uh, right. were in here. So it was right. funny. That's fair. So we get to right, we get to Takashi beating up Sean, tell him to stay away from Neela. Neil Neela's just like not having it. Goes and decides to move in with Sean and Han because at some point here Sean was like, Sorry dad, I can't stay away from cars and leaves and goes and basically takes up a so bucket. There's also another Han's. thing that as you're yeah. talking about this, let's not keep let's not keep forgetting this. Takashi is in the Yakuza and is a fairly, I would say, probably mid-20s. Right. Still dating high school girls. Yeah, a little weird. Didn't... Yeah. Yeah. Quite weird. Damn it. There's also a line... This movie. Yeah, there's also a line when Han is showing the same scene, like, before he gives uh, Sean the Evo. He's walking through that, like, dancing club, and he's like, keep your hands off him, girls. He's underage. Yeah. So there's yeah. a lot of weird stuff like this in this movie. A lot of yeah, there's a, a lot, lot of stuff that just bad then doesn't age well. But uh, Neela running to uh, Han and Sean, we then get Kamada, old uncle, coming in saying, "Hey, even I know that he's stealing from you." Oh, I love when he's like, "Yeah, I don't understand what I'm looking at, and even I can tell you're being stolen from." <laughs> oh, the oh shit face that. That Takashi makes in that moment is priceless. So I love the whole sequence of events when he was like, for the want of a nail, oh. the horseshoe was lost. Yep. Without the horseshoe, the steed was lost. <laughs> without the steed, the message wasn't delivered. And without the delivered message, the war was lost. Like, damn. That escalated I, quick just, as fuck. Yeah, that went to a, a whole other level. Um, yeah. Which, which, by the way, we earlier also got a quote-unquote famous Japanese saying from Sean's dad earlier in the movie when he's working on that car going, the nail that sticks out gets the hammer. Yeah. So, got a, got a lot of, few few bits of Japanese wisdom in this movie peppered in. So... Also love when they're eating the food on a when he's talking to Neela eating the food. He goes, "Oh, this right. isn't bad. I didn't have to put ketchup on it." Oh God! It's like you fucking hick. Fucking get Dawson your shit Bill together, redneck. Yeah. <laughs> uh. 
<laughs> but uh, going back to where we were in the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after uh, Takashi gets basically embarrassed by Uncle, he decides, oh, I'm going to go do things. I'm going to go kill. I'm going to go embarrass Han, which leads to a pretty intense chase scene through the Tokyo streets. Yep. Um, We get a really cool drift sequence where they drift through like as a crowd of people are partying. Oh yeah, and that that's in that famous uh intersection in Japan that's like at well, all Well, it was times. made to look like that famous. Yeah, yeah, it was made to look like that famous intersection yeah. in Japan. Yeah. They have that moment and then of course we have the uh moment where uh Han is T-boned. Uh cars flipped upside down. Next thing we see is an explosion and Han is is dead. They come to terms with uh, Kamada taking him an offering, basically saying, no, we've caused you a lot of problems. We're sorry. And it's a, it's in this moment where I think I think it's a great setup for the, the closing scene. Yep. Because Sean is doing all the things that Takashi should have been doing in this moment. Oh, yeah. He's basically he's apologizing to Kamada. He gives Kamada the money that Han had stole from him, but also makes it up and says, "You know, I know I'm just giving back what is yours. Um, right. Here's a peaceful solution I have. Uh, let's have a race. Whoever loses leaves town." And then Takashi's like, "Oh, I've already beat him." Blah blah blah. This that, and the other. And then Kamada's just like, "Well, then it should be easy." And I was like, "Damn." Yep. Well, yeah, I loved it. I loved it too. I loved it uh, so much. Sean has an issue though. Sean ain't got no car. Got no car, which I love. I love this whole next sequence. Yeah, but old Sean's dad had a '67 Mustang frame, basically body in his in his garage, (laughs) and they rip the engine out of the Sylvia that was totaled in the opening race and make a hodgepodge of American Japanese technology. Yeah, they put a Skyline engine into a Mustang, which did that hurt you or did you just love it? Uh not saying I'm the <laughs> biggest fan of it, but there was yeah. a uh there was I was just movie. wondering with your to... with your love of old cars if that hurt your soul to watch I'm... a Nissan engine be lowered into a Ford Mustang shell. <laughs> well, see, I'm not a big fan of of Mustangs. Sure. But I'm a huge fan of Nissans. Right, exactly. Um, I know you love Nissans, so. Yeah, so there was actually uh, the SCC. The SCC mm-hmm. tested the cars of the film, um, and they did actually, with some jerry-rigging, mm-hmm. redo the car, basically putting oh, that awesome. engine putting that engine in there. Um, right. So they said they could do it. It just required a lot more work than was probably possible in the time frame. That they right. talk about. So, um, we get this awesome race down this awesome mountain. Yes, which, hearkening back to the first race, the moment Sean looks like he's starting to win, you know, DK gets all pissy and decides to just start slamming his car into him like that idiot in the Viper did. Yeah. Doesn't oh, work yeah. out for him. Nope. Good old good old Forza move. I know there is that brake check there. And yep. let them just yeet themselves from the track. Drives himself off the mountain. Yep. Sean crosses the finish line. And Victory ensues. We have a new Drift King. We have a new Takashi has Kong. to go. <laughs> Takashi <laughs> has to disappear. 
and uh, we were closing in the same car park we were earlier. Twinkie walks up and goes, yo, dog, there's somebody that's beating everybody all over Asia. He wants <laughs> to race you. And uh, he's like, oh, not tonight. And then Twink's like, he said he knew Han. So then, of course, we get, all right, we'll race. Pull up to a 1970 Plymouth satellite sitting there oh, with no other than Dominique Toretto sitting I- there. I remember watching this in the movies, and I remember me and my friends watching this stood up when that happened, like, in surprise. Like, just lost our shit. Completely lost all shit. So, there's something funny about this, though. (laughs) Vin Diesel made this cameo in exchange for the ownership rights to the Riddick (laughs) series, instead of getting paid. Yeah, I didn't know about this. Yeah. So he did this cameo to get the rights to the Riddick series. Because he loves Riddick so much, and that's the only way he was able to make more Riddick movies. was because he got the rights to it. But I wonder how far along in writing the script Justin Lin knew this was going to happen. Right. Because the only thing is, like, we'll go into this in in later episodes, is Mm -hmm. how well this simple appearance helped tie together the, All of what this franchise yeah. carries on for. As we've said before, you know, this one was probably the weakest. This is the weakest box office entry they've ever had. Yeah. It only made $158.5 million. Right. So this and, movie uh, got a lot of a lot of negative reviews. Like, Well, I, I think a lot of the negativity from this movie mm-hmm. came from the cultural differences. Um, sure. The drift scene... The drift scene at this at the time this movie was released pretty new wasn't it wasn't the cool culture over here yet and I don't think I mean I know we have a lot of drifting events and stuff and there's a big subculture in automotive uh, automotive circles for drifting but I don't think it's right. ever caught on over here like it did in Japan and overseas and stuff like that yeah um because we have so much more room to car yeah, I would say, I think it almost comes from, it was built out of a necessity, right? They're yeah, they, a lot tighter areas, like right. parking garages, and, which we'd have yeah. no reason to do that here. Yeah, whereas I can name you, just in Dawson County alone, about 15 places where you have a straight, flat, quarter-mile road yep. that you can go rip down. But I think between that, also a lot of the car brands in this one, a lot of the cars used in this movie weren't the most popular. The Evo was really nice, but like the Nissan Silvia wasn't really well known over here. Right. If you'd have put a Skyline, it would have been a completely different. Uh, the 350Z, this was a car that kind of showed that off, but the 350Z yeah, yeah. was 350Z never was... a never really a popular Nissan car. Right. A lot of people would prefer to have a lot of the other Nissan cars that you kind of saw. It's like the third time we've seen an RX-7. I think people were kind of getting tired of seeing the RX-7. I just feel like a lot of hate in this movie came from the fact that it was just so vastly different than Well, yeah, and I mean, were. like you said, it's also different. I also think a lot of the hate came from, you know, wait, there's nobody from the last two movies in this? I'm not going to go see that. Like, it, it almost, to a lot of people, I remember even the conversation with my friend before going to see this movie this many years ago. I don't know why I still remember this. I remember the argument that we were all having about, like, oh, this is just a throwaway movie because nobody from the original is in it. And I was like, yeah, but I want to see it. It's Tokyo. It'll be cool. Let's go watch it. Come on. 
We literally have nothing else to do with our lives. It's 2006, and we are in coming Georgia. So come on. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. It's going to be good. And they all enjoyed it. Yeah, I remember at the time this movie came out, I had a 1993 Nissan Altima. Nice. And when I was leaving the theaters, there were a shit ton of rednecks in their S10s and stuff trying to flash their rights to race me. And I'm like... <laughs> Bitch, this is a 93 Nissan Altima. It is a four-cylinder. We can barely get out of our own way. Get the fuck out of here. Oh, God, that's fantastic. Flip phones live simulcasting to other flip phones is the most ridiculous thing they did in this movie. <laughs> like that, that was what killed me, was watching that. Because especially in that last race where they seem to know what's happening. No matter where yeah, they, they are on the track. It, which yeah, just, in real time. The, the hell. It, yeah. Didn't make any sense, but okay. So so there here's a line here's a line from a, a critic a critic review uh that I think sums up what we were trying to say. It is Mike LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle. As for the racing scene, who cares about the finesse move of drifting compared to going fast and who wants to watch guys race in a parking lot? For that matter, who wants to watch guys race down a mountain with lots of turns? <laughs> and I think I think when we talk about the disconnect, I think that's it. Like speed yeah. is king over here. I think it was just one of those at the time. It was just not. Um, it just wasn't what people were expecting out of a Fast and Furious. Yeah. Weird age plot points aside, like we've talked about, right. I think this. I think the the story in Tokyo Drift is far better. Than what we've seen in previous Fast and oh, Furious, yeah. and it like sets. while it was a pretty simple story, it it got away from like the convoluted crap that we got in one and two. Yeah, it did. It got from point A to point B. If we could have yeah. just not had teenagers in high school, yeah, I think yeah. I think we would have been doing good. We would have been doing so much better. But I think I mean the the story itself pretty solid you know it it like i said it got away from the convolutedness and i i don't know it brought that fantastic tokyo drift song which is sometimes teriyaki my, boys sometimes my alarm clock the boop 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 just yeah killer. it's called killer. tokyo drift by the teriyaki boys bro <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> all i, I know is it hold on <laughs> All I knew is that I did not know the lyrics of that song until I just rewatched the movie with the subtitles. <laughs> I was like, I have been singing this wrong the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I just know if you listen to the full ver- full verse, there's one line in English where it closes with, can't beat that with a baseball bat. <laughs> what were some of the one-liners in this one for you? Because I feel like as we talk about Fast and Furious, the one-liners are the thing that we appreciate the most. Yeah, in this franchise. no, it's true. I mean, try to think. This one, I almost feel like this one got away from from some of that, right? Like you got the Donkey Kong line was pretty good. Just some of the some of the little moments are more what stuck out to me. Um, about uh, Twinkie when he's getting beat up in that one scene, man. And, uh, Sean kind of gets him. Yeah, everybody's gonna ex- expect exchanges now. Thanks. Um, that I love that moment. So th- there was like just more, more little scenes that that stuck out to stuck out to me. Uh, when Sean goes first to try to collect money for Han, and 
Han tells him, yeah, there's a guy with a paw. And he's like, with a paw? He has no idea what the hell he's talking about. And then he goes in and he's like, oh, no. (laughs) The next thing you see is just him being thrown out of that bathhouse. So good. But yeah, how about for you? Tell me about your... So those two scenes are fantastic. Yeah. Um, I love when he is uh when he he first gets to his dad's house, right? And his dad has a lady of the night with him, and he's like, "Oh, oh I thought yeah. you were coming in. I thought you were coming in on the seventh. And he's like, "It is the seventh. It's like his dad messes up the date time sequence, <laughs> right? He's like, "Oh, well, yeah, we're a day ahead of you." <laughs> Just like... I thought that was funny. Um, right. There was another one involving Twink, and I'm trying to remember it. Although I do also love, while you think about that, him and Twinkie going through the streets of like probably like the Shibuya area or something like selling flavor flave clocks, selling the flavor flave clocks, and then the shoes and like everything they can get their hands on. They're just like going through and selling it, and I just oh so good. So, yeah, I think I think that that when you said that, that's like that's what I was trying to remember. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great scene. I also really like the closing dialogue between Sean and uh, Dom when Sean's like, "You know, this ain't no ten second race," and Dom's just like, oh, "I yeah. got all the time in the world." Goosebumps when I hear that because, like, we like at the time we didn't realize what was going to happen with this franchise. But now right. hearing him talk about that, it just it's it's so different now. When you go back and watch this movie with the other movies that are also now in the franchise, right? Knowing the timeline, it definitely changes it for me because because when you watch this without knowing the timeline or when you when it you know when it happened because this whole timeline thing didn't like you said it was totally a retcon. Um, when you're watching this in theaters, you're like, what the, what is happening? You know, yeah, you're what? just like, what, what the hell is What are they gonna do? Here? What's gonna happen in the next one? And oh boy, so there's also another line that Han has. Yeah. Um. When he when Sean's kind of asking him about his past, and he goes, "You know those old American westerns where the cowboys make the break for the border? This is my Mexico." And of course, <laughs> retconning the hell. Can oh, we just man. talk about how good Justin Lin did retconning these films? Yeah. Because he is yeah. the one that directs the next three, I believe. Yeah, the next three movies. I think I mentioned earlier. He does the next three movies, so he did such a good job of setting it up. Cause, wow. Yeah he he doesn't step on his own toes. There's some stuff that you've got to suspend a little bit of disbelief for, right? In scenes, but for the most part, I mean, it's he does a great job with it. Yeah, and I mean this one, this one that I think also, while it had its you know insane drift scenes, and I think the Shibuya Crossing one would have been like the ridiculous quote-unquote fast and furious moment you didn't have a car jumping onto a yacht in this movie so it's like dialed it back a notch for us to probably turn it to 12 in the next few movies the shibuya scene is pretty ridiculous because there's no way that many people got out of a crosswalk in time the the whole drift sequence down the mountain was pretty ridiculous yeah. yeah i mean that was that was pretty insane the the drifting through the streets bef- leading into that uh the Shibuya right. scene right. was insane and uh, 
the action, the the race scenes in this movie, pretty much all of them were very, very intense. Anytime mm-hmm. they showed a scene like that, which I thought made it better. Right. And I also enjoyed the fact that like 90% of all of these race scenes were no CGI involved. Yeah. So yeah, that, 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 once that again, to me not was much the CGI part. In, yeah. in this one. Yeah. So. That's the part I enjoyed the most about this one is like the opening scene in too fast, too furious. While there's a lot of it being the real cars, there's a lot of it being CGI style. cars. <laughs> yeah. And then, it, I mean, it was it was also really bad in the first Fast and Furious in that first race scene. Oh, um, God. Yeah. But I I prefer, if you're going to do something about cars, keep yeah, it as much. Effects. Yeah, keep it practical as much as you can. Also, fucking Twinks Hulk Tiguan was fucking ridiculous, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fucking ridiculous. That, that car was unreal. So, we're going to have another one of these. I don't know exactly when. We're not going to pepper these every week. We're going to give you guys I don't know, Andy. Breathe. We might have to. But we might. I, I need you to catch up because I'm, you got, I'm intrigued You got the bug. <laughs> yeah, I got the bug. I got the bug but, to keep talking about. So we're going we're gonna to go to the next three next, right? Yes, next three we will be talking about Fast and Furious, Fast 5. And Fast and Furious 6. Right, so if you're are... keeping, if this has inspired you to watch along... Those would be the next three you want to watch. So if you go back through and watch one through three because of us talking about it, please let us know. Um, love to hear any unique thoughts on these movies. Um, but uh, yeah, if you want to watch the next three as well while we're getting prepared to talk about them, just know that it's probably coming sooner than later based on how excited Ben is to continue talking about these movies. Oh, yeah. So any oh, yeah. any other parting thoughts on the 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 Fast the Furious? Uh, from what we've talked about so far, I just think it's absolutely insane that that a franchise has continued to run based off of yeah. these. Yeah. Um, I yeah. do blame this movie franchise with making anyone that drives anything that is Japanese feel like it's the fastest thing on earth. Right. Um, but at the same token. I really like Vin Diesel in all of these movies that he's in. I really do. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to see him in, in the next few. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. Oh, I'm sure. So I will. I'm looking forward to it. So yeah, I think Got that's a wrap else for. You want to say about it? I think we're done. No, I mean these are these are these are a joy. Rewatching all three of these was just. So much fun, um, and I look forward to giving you my fresh thoughts on on the next three because I know nothing about the next three movies. Dude, I'm so. I'm super excited for you to finally sit down and watch them because <laughs> yeah. I I love yeah. them so. So, uh, whether you guys are listening to this morning, noon, or night, have a great day, afternoon, or evening. Goodbye.